and helping other people when they're down. Do what God tells you to do. Reading the Bible and praying to Him. I love the simplicity of kids, right? It just it's one of those things that I don't know, they just they just live a really simple life. You know, kind of things like they're provided for and and they're loved. Um, and you know, all of their needs are met. And then they've got things and they can go and they can read and understand about life. It kind of seems a little bit familiar. That we have somebody that, that went before us, that kind of taught us and showed us and gave us resources to help us understand the way that we should be living our lives, that meets our needs, that, that provides for us. It kind of feels like the relationship that I have with my God, it should be kind of simple. And then as we grow up, we seem to do this thing where we get wise and we seem to think, well, now, hang on, I need some independence and I, I know better. And, and we kind of overcomplicate things. And then all of a sudden, the simple task of riding a bike is no longer a simple task. We introduce gears. We introduce all these other things and factors. We've got to have the best of the best of, of everything to be able to get from A to B which is literally the purpose of a bike, right? But I actually think that we really overcomplicate things, and I think we overcomplicate things particularly when it comes to love. Because I think love should be something that is so simple, but so easy for us to do. I mean, we've got the greatest ever example of love around us, and yet we kind of have to remind ourselves over and over again, oh, what is this thing called love? How do I do it? What, is it? what does it look like to love thy neighbor? What does that even mean? And I think inherently, if, we, if we're genuine and look in the mirror, we should know these sorts of things. We should actually be able to kind of, kind of figure this out, if you will. But we really struggle as humanity to actually genuinely love others. It's really easy for us to love people who love us. It's really easy for us, you know, if we're getting showered with gifts and all these sorts of things, to actually feel like we are loved and therefore to love that person. But what about those people that can't offer us anything? Are they worthy of love? Should we love them? What do we do in those circumstances where love is a little bit more difficult to us than it perhaps should be? A few weeks ago, our young adults group went down to Early Beach. Uh, it's about four weeks ago now, and time flies. And we had this amazing opportunity. We were there and we had a guest speaker come up from Brisbane, you might recall, and share with us. We had uh, a worship, worship leader come up from Brisbane and, and lead us in worship. And, and we had an amazing time. 
And we spend a lot of time around God's word and encourage each other and building each other up, you know, with this idea that we are sent people by God, that God has given us a message of hope that the world actually needs. And that is the message of love that the world needs. So we've got to go out there and we can be people of hope. We can be people that actually take up the call of being sent by God and to demonstrate that love around us. And we had an opportunity on the Saturday night where we were given a, a choice, right? We could, we could kind of think of somebody that we know that just needs to experience God's love. And it was, it was really broad. And there was a lot of people and we prayed together for those people and, and we petitioned God that, that change might happen. And interestingly, as, as the next couple of days rolled on, the messages to the group for that retreat started to roll in. So the guy I was praying for on Saturday night, Sam, who kind of stepped away from his faith and hasn't been to church in about 12 months at a guest, just texted me saying he went to church last night and said it was so good. How good is God? Then the next one rolls in, right? And these are hours apart. Guys, some more exciting God stuff. I prayed for a friend on Saturday night whom I've been trying to journey with because she's been so keen about learning more about God. We've been trying for weeks and weeks to catch up and read the Bible together, but she constantly cancels on me for mainly work, but other stuff too. I've invited her to church many times, and she's always, uh, but she always, again, has something on. She messaged me tonight and told me that she's been reading more of the Bible on her own and is dropping down to part-time work so she can come to church and catch up with me and read more often. How flippin' good is God? We overcomplicate this idea of love. In our world. And I just love the fact that, you know, we, we went away, we prayed for these people, and God's already doing a work in these people's lives. My prayer for this morning is that we have an experience like that. That we are able to come away from here this morning thinking about somebody praying into that person that God might meet them where they are and we will see testimonies like this rolling through our churches because of our willingness to step out in faith and to just do what God calls us to do, to love, to experience that love, to pray and commit things to God and to, uh, to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. That's my prayer for us this morning. And so before we get into the passage, I want to just pray over this, this love thy neighbour concept, that we don't overcomplicate things here this morning, that we have some clear and easy and tangible takeaways from this morning that we can implement, that we can show and demonstrate God's love. So would you pray with me? Father God, I just want to thank you so much for your love, for who you are, and the way that you love us. And Lord, I want to say I'm sorry for overcomplicating the concept of loving my neighbours, the people around me. And so this morning, Lord God, would you start with me, but, but help me to understand the calling that you give to us. Help me to understand the action of love, the basis for love, and how to express that in this world. Lord, this world needs love. There's void that is massive. And so, Lord, I pray that we might walk out of this place 
loving one another so much that the world would, we, would know that we are your disciples because of it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're looking at this passage, and if you are uh, wanting to read along, I've, I've put the verse up there. It is the greatest commandment uh, in the Bible here, and they're found in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. But in the lead up to, the, to Jesus actually giving an answer to this, the Sadducees would try and railroad Jesus. In fact, they were trying to figure out what's going on with marriage and throwing all of these things that, that are seemingly insignificant at, at Jesus. And there's this story about um, the woman who, whose husband passes away and then she marries the brother and then seven iterations of this later. The question is when, when she's resurrected, who will her husband be? And I don't understand the Sadducees sometimes, but I also feel like I can be a Sadducee at times. <laughs> And then after that, we get this, this point where there's a Pharisee, a leader in the law, uh, and he, he asks this question, teacher, which is the greatest, greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus' response is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love thy neighbour. Last week we had an amazing message, thank you Pastor Gary, about what it is to love God and to take that out into our world. And, and I think that there's no way for us to look at what it is to love others if we can't actually do the loving God part to begin we miss the point, and I think that that is genuinely part of the reason why we are given the, the commandments in these order, the greatest commandments in these order. We've got to sort out our loving God first, and the second is that we will love others. As an outflow, as a pouring out of our love for God, we will learn to love others in the way that God actually loves others. And I actually think, as I said before, this is a really simple message. So I'm going to help us with the ABCs of loving others this morning. The action of love, what that even looks like, the basis for love, and then the call for you and I to walk out of this place and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And this is what it looks like. It starts off with a choice. You see, loving full stop requires us to choose to do something. And it's not just a choice that we made. In fact, in Genesis 1 verse 27, God made the choice out of love to create humanity. It says, so God created mankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God created us because of his love, as an outflowing of his love, as an expression of the fullness of God's love, he created humanity to be able to walk with him, to work faithfully with him, to live and to breathe in the same atmosphere as God. And we see that in the garden. Adam and Eve are walking with God daily, it tells us in Scripture. They had an opportunity to experience the fullness of God's love as they were created to be loved as an expression of love in the image of love. And so we get this idea that there is a choice about love. Even in the beginning, God chose love. And it goes on. 
Because we know in our Christian story, in the Christian narrative, right? In, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There was a choice that when humanity stuffed it all up in that garden, that very same garden that God was walking with them daily in, when humanity stuffed it all up, God made a choice out of love to try and restore the brokenness of the void that sin had created. There is a choice in love. I choose to love my wife. I mean, there's nothing that that says I have to do that. In fact, it would be bad if I didn't, right, socially? But I choose to love Naomi. And I do. I make that choice daily to love my wife. And I genuinely love her. But action, the action of love is all about choosing. You have to choose to love. And what I see reflected in the Bible is that God chose love. God chose love to love us so that we can go out and love the world around us. But what compels you to actually do that? Now, I would hazard a guess and say this word. If God did that, if God created us out of love, if God knows what is best for us, if God loves us so abundantly and has our best interests in his plan that he wants to walk with us daily to see us flourish and grow and and live not just in the way that we do, but live a life of abundance in the way that we were originally created in relationship with God, then we ought choose obedience. Again, it's a simple concept, one that my kids very often struggle with, but it is a simple concept concept. Because I love my kids, I want them to obey me. Not because of fear or anything, but because I'm trying to protect them. I'm trying to give them the best atmosphere that they can grow up, that they can thrive, that they can reach their potential in. And then we get to this stage where we start to grow up and we know everything. Like my seven-year-old, we know everything. But the basis for love for us should be that if we want to experience the fullness of life, we should live out the way that we were created to live. By the Creator. He and only He knows how we should live our life. He and only He knows the best way for us to walk out so that we don't get hurt, so that we don't get a bit too big for the boots that we're in, get ourselves into trouble, find ourselves fallen, and the brokenness of the relationship that exists in this sin keeps holding us down. John 14 verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. Again, That is so simple of an instruction, is it not? If you love me, keep my commands. How do we get it so wrong so often? How do we get it so wrong? Again, John 14 verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home 
with them. We are called that if we are to experience love, if we are to demonstrate our love to God, which is the first command, which we need to have in place in our lives before we can even look beyond the immediate, if we love God, we need to do what it is that God calls us to do. We need to read God's Word. We need to understand the life, the way that God wants us to live. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. If we are obedient to the teachings of God, if we're actively seeking our relationship with God, we will outwork these good works that God has created in advance for us to do. Let me make this really simple for us. The good works can be summarized as love. And that's why we are reminded these greatest commandments, that love is so important, that we need to love God and love others. I love this little bit at the end of this passage that says, and the, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Because when I look at the law and the prophets, that is the Old Testament scripture, you cannot separate God's love and his call for us to love, even in everything that he did right from the very beginning through to where we are today, we cannot separate this. It's the perfect summary of what God wants us to do. He wants us to go out and to love, to love God and love those around us. So how do we do it? It's this word that we like to, to use, which is called discipleship, which is effectively the creation of people like Jesus. We are called to love in such a way that compels and calls other people to love in such a way that... You get what we're saying? Discipleship, this journey, this calling for us to love isn't necessarily always about us. In fact, I would hazard a guess to say more so is the benefit of the other than us when we love those around us. But we are called to a life of discipleship. We're called to a life that demonstrates the love of God to all of those around us in such a way that compels them to want to know Jesus, the perfect love that is. And in John 15, verse 9, it says this, As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. I love the fact that our God didn't think it was too much to come down and show us what love looks like. 
I love the fact that, that my God sent his son Jesus to show us what it was to live a life of service to God in demonstration of love. I love the fact that, that my God walked the very earth that we stand on, that he ate with a whole heap of people, that he washed the feet of the people around him out of love, that they might know more about God. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of this love. The very fact that he goes to the cross, the ultimate demonstration of God's love, the choice that God has made so that we could know him and experience the fullness of his love, shows me that my God is a personal God. My God is interested in you. My God is interested in me. And these calls to love him and love others aren't just shallow, simple, but costly. The call to love is a lifelong calling. This call isn't just something that we can brush off. When we meet Jesus, when we experience God's love, we're compelled to make a choice. Are we going to choose to lean in to love or are we going to choose to push back on our own understanding and in our own strength? And this call to love, you might say, well, that's good for someone else. But it needs to be good for all of us. Because as part of the call to love others, we get this commission from Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. This creating disciples. I mean, it's, it's very easy in, and simple in its, in its high-level form. But life's busy. How do I have time to love others when I can't even find time to, to love who I am? How do I find time to go out there and do all of the things that God calls me to do when I've got to go and work and surrender? Surrender is the answer. Because we have a problem in this world, right? We have a problem that we like the idea of loving God. Because, as I said earlier, it's easier to love somebody who loves us unreservedly. We love this idea that we are so desperately loved, but we don't like the cost associated with loving others around us. I'm reminded of, of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate 
the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I genuinely think that that's our wrestle when it comes to God. If you distill everything down back to the basics, we make a choice whether we're going to love God in the way that God wants us to, calls us to, or whether we're going to love money. And our time is reflected in those decisions and in the way and the things that we do. And don't hear me wrongly here, we definitely need money to be able to thrive and survive in this world because that's just how it is. But if money is our number one, we miss out on the fullness of the love of God in our day to day, in our activities, in the things that we do. And God gives us this reminder. And he says, but I know you. I know you. And I know that you don't have the love of God in your hearts. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, these earthly things, but don't seek glory that comes from only God? This for me is a reminder of the, the selfishness of the nature of humanity. It's a reminder that says to me, my God actually knows where my heart is at. My God knows how I'm going at the two greatest commandments of loving God and loving others. And it's simplicity, the ABCs, really simple in practice but hard for us to participate because of the world's expectations. He might say, well, this is a really simple message today. And I'm going to agree with you. This is a really simple message for us. That we are called. That love is simple. Or at least it should be. We let the voices of the world get into our heads. We let the distractions of the devil put in place blocks that stop us from experiencing the fullness of God. We let the cost of our social status, our wealth, our day-to-day -day life, the things that are going on around us, we let the cost of those things and we accept that in place of what God might actually be calling us to do in loving those around us. If you want to know how much love costs, just ask Jesus. Because love costs everything. And we are called to love God with everything. Our heart, soul, mind and strength as we discovered last week, we are called to love God desperately. And the outflowing of that is our action. Even Jesus, as he's about to go to the cross, is there and he's, he's sweating blood. And we've got this experience and there's a record, right, of Jesus saying, 
if there is any other way to demonstrate God's love, if there is any other way, but not my will, but your will be done. I wonder when it comes to, to loving your neighbours, to loving thy neighbour, is that a price that we are willing to pay, church? Are we willing to do just what God does in calling us to love others no matter the cost? I wonder if this morning, maybe there's somebody that God might be laying on your heart. Maybe something that, that, that has been said has perhaps triggered something to remind you of, of somebody. And, and just like we did at our young adults retreat, I'm going to invite us as a church just to consider one of our neighbours. Just to, to put a name to a neighbour. And I want to invite us this morning just to take a moment to pray. You know, the most loving thing that we can do in this world is to share Jesus in a real way with people around us to share the gospel message, to share the hope that we have, to, to do the work of the evangelists, as it says in 1 Peter 3. It's the most amazing demonstration of love that we can do. You know the biggest distraction from actually doing that? Ourselves. We're pretty good at making up every excuse under the sun. That's all right. That's somebody else's responsibility. But God doesn't say in the Great Commission, Andrew, your job is to go and make all of the disciples. No, he doesn't say that. Therefore, go. All of us have a responsibility to this. He doesn't say in these greatest commandments, Andrew, your job exclusively is to love me and love others. And he calls all of us into that space. So I would love for us this morning, perhaps just to do something a little bit different. And I'm going to invite the, the team up to do this. But I want for us to think of that one person that maybe we've had an interaction with. Maybe it is our physical neighbour. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's one of our friends. Maybe it's someone who, who might have fallen away from church. Maybe it's someone who's never had an experience of church. Maybe it's somebody that's homeless out in our streets. Maybe it's somebody that we know that's in the prison system. I want to invite us to just think of a name of somebody that God can place on our hearts right now. And I'm going to invite us just to, to stand 
in unity because I think that we together as the church can demonstrate God's love really well in this if we are in unity together. So I'm going to invite us all to stand. I'm going to pray a prayer. And this is where things get a little bit Pentecostal. But I want you guys to call that name out. I'm going to leave a gap. I want you to call that name out. You don't have to be shouting it at the rooftops. You can just call out that name in your own way. But I want to invite us to start a snowball effect of some of the testimony and God's goodness that we saw at the Young Adults Retreat just four weeks ago. The move of God in loving those around us as we come together in prayer. People, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have come to know God when we start and are faithful in prayer. And so I wanna start this chain of loving others this morning by just praying for us. This verse, John 13, 35, just came to me before. Many of you will know it. Many of you will have heard it. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's be God's unified church. Let's love God and as an outflow, love others around us. Let's see God changing the landscape here in Kerwin, here in Townsville, here in Queensland and all around the world because we are willing to do what God calls us to do, to do what God commands us to do, to do what He commissions us to do, to go out and love Him and love others. Let's pray. And when that name opportunity comes, call it out and we'll commit them to God. Father God, we thank You so much that you are so concerned about everybody and that you love us so much that your actions, the basis, the call, Lord God, to love those around us is immense. And so, Father God, we wanna give you these names. We wanna pray for. Lord, we wanna pray that you would break through into that person's life. Father God, we wanna pray that they would experience love in the fullness of the way that you designed it. Father God, we wanna pray that they would meet you so that they know that you are their provider, that you are their saviour, that you are love and that you are life, Lord God. So God, we invite your Holy Spirit to minister, to move. And Lord, we're excited to be on this journey, to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we love you. And we don't just say that, we mean it. We love you, Lord. And we love your people. We love those around us. And we love our neighbours as ourselves. We pray these things in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.